Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Monday, February 22nd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, uh, today's the day, first full squad workout. Uh, traditionally, this would be the day that, that Tito gives his big speech and introduces all of the, the trainers and the clubbies and the, the guys who are going to be around the team all year. Uh, but, but Tito said he's going to break that up and, and do all the housekeeping in sort of one day and then give them the Give the players that their you know their marching orders, their direct speech, their uh, their sort of uh, you know rah rah rallying cry sort of uh, motivational talk, uh, maybe tomorrow or or another time, uh, just to keep it sort of short and break it up, all because of these COVID protocols. Yeah, I mean these guys are coming to camp in pods. Like I think there's four or five pods now. You know, various you know pitchers, catchers, position players, outfielders, infielders. They all come to uh, the training center at separate times to get, you know, they, they go through their testing, then they have breakfast and then, you know, they go out and work, work out at, you know, kind of different times. It's like, if you look at the schedule, Joe, it looks like uh, it's, it's like a D-Day invasion. Everything is down to the minute. And uh, uh, so it's, it's really, it's an interesting concept. And I think Tito just, you know, I thought he might have just kind of taped his that speech like four different times and just played it, you know, different like the four different days to different groups. But it sounds like they're going to break it up and try to uh, reach as many people as possible, you know, with with uh, everyone being socially distanced. Right. It's a it's a little harder uh, with the way they have things set up. They have 70, what, 74 guys in camp right now. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, that makes it harder because normally you wouldn't have 74 guys to yeah, you'd have probably about 60, 60, yeah, a, a little, a little fewer, but, uh, they're also eating breakfast, uh, in a dining tent outside of the building. They're, they're under, a, a sort of like one of those big outdoor, uh, party tents. And Tito said that they were considering bringing in another one of those tents just to have an overflow area. So, uh, again, he's, he's going to, he's going to be outside. He's going to have to project his voice, you know hobble up there uh, on, on his crutches in his, in his walking boot. Uh, they can't just make something simple for the poor guy. He's got a, he's got a lot to deal with, uh, you know, in, in this training camp. Uh, but, but I think he'll make the most of it. He'll, he'll, he'll get through. Uh, we had a chance over the weekend to talk not only to Tito, but to Carl Willis and to several of the, uh, the Indians players uh, we got through a lot of the pitchers and we started to get some position players uh, 
yesterday, there were about 15 minute Zoom calls each time, just sort of, you know, hey, how was your off season? What did you work on? Where were you training? That kind of stuff. And then we got into we got into some details with with some of these guys. Uh, anything? What was one thing that that sort of jumped out at you, maybe uh, uh, about any one of these guys that that we got to talk to? And then we can run down the the list and, and go guy by uh, you know player by player as to who we talked to. Yeah, I was uh, you know I I really like talking to Josh Naylor. He kind of you know just that he has that open personality and just how much he cares about you know his brother being in the same organization and being in camp with them and. I just get a, a really a sense of joy from him that how much he really, really likes baseball and likes Fran Mill Reyes. Yeah, it was, it was obvious how much he likes Fran Mill Reyes because when I asked him if he had, if he had seen Fran Mill yet, he, he got really animated, uh, started getting excited. It, I'll, I'll tell you, it was tough to translate his Canadian as we were, uh, as I was typing out the, the transcript of the, of the chat, uh, Real difficult to understand the language. I don't know if we're going to be able to make it through this season uh, with with these bilingual guys. Uh, Josh Naylor, everything was a boot, and uh, and, and everything. Uh, it, it, you can. There are times when he really slips slips into the Canadian. It's kind of funny, but uh, yeah, and and uh, you know, finding out that he he played hockey sort of like the way we play pickup basketball around here. You know, it's like it's not my main sport, but. You know, yeah. everybody in Canada plays hockey. Uh, that that sort of you asked him if he could still strap on the skates. Yeah, I, well, those guys never forget how to skate. I would like to see him playing defense for the uh, you know like uh, who who are the uh, Lake Erie Monsters? I bet you he'd still be a pretty good defenseman out yeah. there. What is he's about two forty? <laughs> yeah, I, that that's the thing. The physical nature, I think he'd be he'd be just fine. Uh, uh, you know, ex uh, Indians closer Brad Hand comes from a hockey background yeah. up in uh, up in Minnesota. Uh, the guys that want to to take Brad Hand's place, the the guys who want Brad Hand's old job, uh, James <clears throat> Karinchak and Emmanuel Class A. Uh, we talked to both of them yesterday. James Karinchak, we find out, learned his curveball grip in an unusual way. He he Googled Lance McCullers from the 2017 playoffs. Lance McCullers had a, uh, an outing in game seven of the 2017 playoffs in the ALCS against the Yankees, where he threw 24 consecutive curveballs. And after seeing that, uh, James Karinchak said, I need to have that in my, uh, in my bag of tricks. And so he Googled how Lance McCullers uh, grips his curveball. And he said he just went out there and started throwing it. Yeah, I thought that was a great story by you today on Cleveland.com, Joe. You broke that out. It was just so interesting that, you know, this is like, in, like you said, instead of going to a, a pitching guru or, you know, your pitching coach, you know, this is what uh, athletes can do now. This is the amount of information that's out there. You can, you can, you know, go to baseball savant. You can, you can Google Lance McCullers and find out how he grips his curveball, and you can try to, you, you know, then you can go to the gym or go to the, the field and, and, and practice it. It's, there's just a wealth of, information out there and and these guys are smart enough to take advantage of it. I'd, I'd be curious to get Lance McCullers reaction I think maybe that'll be a follow-up piece uh later on maybe this season when the Indians play the Astros we'll uh, we'll have to ask Lance McCullers what he thinks of uh James Karinchak uh stealing his curveball and then basically turning it into one of one of the most devastating pitches in in all of baseball uh, I think it ranked uh in, in terms of qualified pitches 
uh, for the season, it would, would rank 10th in whiff rate, uh, which means if he threw it, there was a better than 50-50 chance that uh, I think it was 50.63%. If he threw that pitch, there's a better than 50-50 chance that somebody was going to swing and miss at it. Yeah, I mean, this guy, you know, as you pointed out in the story, he threw fastball, curveball, about a 50% split between the two pitches. But this guy almost struck out 50% of the batters he faced, Joe. I don't know where that ranks, but but that's, you know, I, I think he faced like, oh, man, I can't remember. It, but, it ranks pretty high points. He, yeah. Uh, I, I think, think he was 17.4 uh, strikeouts per nine was, was yeah. his average. So. And, and that's incredible. I mean, and, and so, you know, and I thought it was interesting that, well, I think we've talked about this. He, he's, he came into camp and the first thing he said, he wants to close. You know, he made that point of Francona and uh, uh, Carl Willis. And then we've got uh, class eight. We talked to him yesterday and says he wants to close. So that's going to be an interesting competition to see how that works out. Right. And, and class A does not lack confidence, even coming back uh, after a missing a year from the PED suspension. Uh, class A came out, and one of the first things he said through uh, through his translator, Augie Rivero, he, he said, my stuff is nasty. I got the balls coming out of my hand. I could throw 104 miles an hour. The, the, the guy, I mean, he wasn't up there bragging, but, I mean, he was confident. And if he's got 104 miles an hour and a sinker that's like a bowling ball, according to Terry Francona, he could make things interesting. Uh, the experience and the, the, the time I, I, that he missed, I think, is going to keep him from any serious consideration of being a, a closer, but, but, but really it should be fun to watch the two of these guys go back and forth, especially if there's any sort of a friendly, you know, teammate rivalry type thing going on. Yeah. I mean, you know, and he's got that time in the big leagues with Texas. I think, you know, no matter what he said yesterday, Joe, when we talked to him, I think missing a year has got to, that's got to hurt you, you know, one way or the other. And, and I thought it was telling that, you know, when he did test positive uh, for the PEDs, um, they didn't appeal it. They had, the, you know, they you have that you have that right in the in the uh, you know the the drug prevention program, uh, but they didn't. So obviously, you know, that's a red flag. He and hopefully he learned a lesson. You know, and and the team can count on him because if you're going to be a closer, you know, part of it is trust. Part of it is you're handing the ball, you're handing the game, not just the baseball, but the game to, you know, to this guy in the eighth or ninth inning when, whenever they use him. But I do think it's kind of interesting. Now, if Class A does earn that trust, now you might be able to use either one of those guys earlier and then have the other guy back, you know, backing him up in the, in the ninth inning. Right, and that's something that Tito mentioned and alluded to when, when we brought up the whole 2016 playoffs and what he was able to do with Andrew Miller, who at the time, Andrew Miller was the most untouchable reliever in, in baseball as they went through the playoffs that, that season. And Tito said, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did with Andrew Miller, bringing him in to put out those fires in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning or, or earlier, even uh, in, in one or two instances, he wouldn't have been able to do that if Brian Shaw and Cody Allen weren't reliable there at the end, knowing okay, we've gotten to the ninth inning. Now we don't have to worry about the ninth inning. Yeah, you know, uh, Cody Allen had the postseason of his career. That was the highlight of his career. You know, he didn't give up a run in, uh, you know, 13 and a third innings in the postseason, six saves. I mean, he was out of his mind. He was so good. And and Shaw, you know, you know, grinded out 
uh, you know, he, he did, he did a nice job as well. And, and they allowed, like you said, they allowed uh, Andrew Miller to be the star to win the AL central MVP against Toronto that year. So, you know, and uh, I don't know how it, it, you know, that took a toll obviously on those three guys, but, uh, and you can't run a bullpen like that. I don't think for 162 games, but you certainly have some options now. And especially if class a can get through this spring training healthy and, you know, he, he gets back into good graces of the ball club. I think he is, but there's trust to be earned. And they've got to find out about this guy. They've got to kind of put their hands on him. One more thing I want to mention before we move on. Uh, Karen check really does still seem stung, really seems hung up on the grand slam that he gave up to uh, Gio Urshela. Uh, the Indians went from being up four to one to being down five to four in that game two of the, uh, the wild card series uh, against the Yankees. And I think Karen check is going to use that as motivation to, to make himself uh, a better pitcher, or at least if he's not, he's going to dwell on it until it, it just ruins him. Uh, yeah. It's, it, it can go one of the other, one of the two ways. If you're going to close, you got to have a short memory, Joe, you gotta, you gotta put that behind you. You gotta, cause there's going to be days when you're, when you're not very good and, and you're going to get hammered and, and you're going to co- cost the team a ball game and you can't dwell on it. And I can see hopefully uses it as motivation, but you know, Joe, I mean, just think hey, of that situation. He, he that was that was almost unfair to put him in that situation. And and to I that point him. this year, to that point this year that or that year, that's what they had done. They had put him in in that situation. Yeah. And he had struck the guy out. Well, this yeah. time he he just gave up the grand slam. Uh, he he mentioned it twice when we talked to him yesterday, and uh, it just if we if he's still talking about it come April, then there there might be issues there. You got to uh, be like a, a defensive back if you're gonna. You know, if right. you're going to, if you're going to be the closer, you're going to be an eighth inning guy. You got to turn the page fast. Well, you got to be, you got to be at least a defensive back. That's better than Anderson Sandejo. That's, that's all you got to <laughs> mention about uh, shout out to my, my Browns uh, fans on the, on the podcast. With Indians baseball right around the corner, there's never been a better time for you to register for Indian subtext. Our subscriber-based service gives you the inside scoop and analysis on the Indians for $3.99 a month. You get everything we're hearing and the first word before things are announced. We text you big breaking news directly to your phone, even before it's up on cleveland.com. And you can text us directly with your questions and opinions. It's a great way to avoid the trolls on social media, and it's the only way to get your questions and comments on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Why should you sign up? Here's one of our subscribers, Bill from Arizona. I think it's great the way... uh... Uh, you guys have handled it this year and appreciate the fact that, you know, you usually uh, when you're able respond pretty uh, quickly, either just to me or to, you know, to, to everybody. And it's nice to have a little insight on some things. And then maybe an hour or two later, the story will break. I kind of feel like I'm sort of, you know, on the QT in the know and it's fun. Bill and all of our Indian subtext subscribers agree. There's a lot going on with the team and the best way to keep up is with Indian subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or text Hoinsey or Joe at 216-208-4346. Again, that's joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or send a text message to 216-208-4346.
1-800-242-4346. We look forward to having you as a member of Indian Subtext. Moving on, uh, talking about another uh, player that we mentioned yesterday, we talked to yesterday, who uh, who seemed to be in, not necessarily, I wouldn't say a fragile state, but to, who looked a little shell-shocked from the 2020 season. Uh, Oscar Mercado, uh, we, we talked to him, and he just seemed like 2020 uh, you know, wrapped him up in a blanket and, and tossed him in the, uh, the ocean. I mean, this, this kid, he, he came on yesterday talking about how much of a struggle it was. Uh, obviously, he was, he was sent down and, and sent to the alternative site and not really used in the way that he had hoped coming off of an outstanding 2019 season. Uh, and, and, and he's had to work to get back uh, to a place where he's, he's looking forward to being out there. Yeah, I think he's kind of recharged his batteries. The thing that's, and, uh, you know, he had, to, he, he, he told us for the first time, he had a back injury last year. He's trying to play through that. Uh, but the thing that struck me, Joe, is just the toll this the season and not so much. I mean, he only hit 128. So obviously what happened on the field took a toll, but just off the field as well, you know, the, the protocols and wearing masks and traveling and, and, you know, being isolated in your hotel rooms when, when the game was over and not being able to, you know, see your fans, your, your, your family in the stands when you're playing and, you know, hang out with your friends after games, that seemed to really work against him last year. And, uh, and he, and he just came out and said, I I felt sorry for myself last year and uh, he's got to get tougher mentally. And uh, hopefully he does. Yeah. The Indians uh, like Terry Francona said in an ideal situation, in an ideal world, and this was Terry Francona talking to uh, to Billy Hamilton, the uh, the veteran that they signed to come in and in, into camp and, and provide some competition. Uh, Terry Francona said, in an ideal world, one of these young guys, meaning Mercado or Zimmer, you know, steps up and just wins the job in, in camp. Uh, but Francona said to, to Hamilton, to Billy Hamilton, you know, come in and be ready, because if that doesn't happen, then you, you've got a chance to, to win a spot on the team. Yeah, and, and you know, I think – you know, if, like you said, on, on an even playing field, I think Mercado's a guy, but I mean, he, he's got to have an attitude adjustment because it's going to be more of the same this year. I mean, you're going through this every day in spring training now. So hopefully he got used to that. And, but I think, you know, sometimes you don't look at the off the field stuff and how that affects athletes. And uh, obviously he's not the only guy it affected. Because, you know, a lot of people didn't play well last year, you know, in that 60 game sprint. And, uh, you know, I, I think what happened off the field has to factor into those into those results. All right. I, I would like to see Oscar Mercado come into camp with the uh, the swagger of a young Kenny Lofton out there in center field. Maybe uh, just that that confidence just exude it and, and, uh, and you know, win the job outright just from the get go. That would be ideal, I think, for the uh, for the Indians. Okay, other guys we talked to uh, over the weekend. We talked to Tristan McKenzie, Aaron Savali, Austin Hedges. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys are are in camp, ready to go. And uh, you know, I, as far as Savali goes, he seemed like he's you know, just, it, he it, it looks to me like Savali is going to be one of those guys who's just always going to be present, very much like a Josh Tomlin. Uh, just sort of there and, and, and ready to go and, and going to do his job and give you the same results every time. I, I think the, 
the way he came across was very Josh Tomlin like, only without the the warm Texas demeanor. Yeah, I think uh, you know it was interesting because we asked him about uh, you know going from seventy four innings, which was a lot of innings last year. I mean, he was second on the team and what third in the American League mm-hmm. uh, in innings pitched last year, and going from there to what, 170, 180, maybe even 200 innings in a 162-game season. And he said, that's no, that's no problem. He said, it's just kind of like a stamp of the fingers. He goes, you know, we, we've, you know, we've, we, you know, it wasn't like he only threw 74 innings last year. He was throwing, you know, when he got to camp, some spring training too, he was ready to throw five innings. So you don't do that by accident. You, you do that by, you know, really working on your throwing program all through those three and a half months that, that between spring training one and spring training two. And I think he'll probably take the same approach this year. And it sounds like the Indians are going to let him. It's, it's, it doesn't sound like they're going to really, I mean, they're going to re- obviously keep an eye on all those pitchers, but if, if they're, if they're on a roll, they're going to let them roll. I think. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to Austin Hedges. I thought uh, he, he had a lot of uh, really good insight on, on some of the pitchers that he's seen so far in camp. Uh, he's really a guy who's sort of maybe going around getting to know a lot of these guys for the first time. Uh, very limited exposure and experience uh, after the trade last year. Uh, but he seemed pretty excited. Uh, we asked him, you know, who looked good out there? And he says, you know, everybody looks good out there. All the all the pitchers on the staff uh, look like they're in midseason form already. Yeah, and I like what he said about Arias, uh, Gabriel Arias, the shortstop that mm-hmm. came over from San Diego. He kind of defensively, at least, he compared him to a Lindor. He said, "If you if you want to see some Francisco Lindor type defense, this is the kid to watch." Well, that's good as long as long as he develops the Francisco Lindor type offense, uh, yeah, he'll, no, he'll have no problem finding a job, right? That's that's the tough part. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, another uh, another pitcher that we. We had a chance to talk to, uh, get uh, just his thoughts on the offseason. He told us earlier in the offseason that he was enjoying being at home, uh, eating his mom's cooking. His mom's home cooking was, uh, was the big uh, plus for, for being at home with his brother, uh, who's uh, uh, an infielder at Vanderbilt, I believe. They were, they were at home talking about the, the big league experience and that sort of thing. Uh, Tristan McKenzie now uh, in, in Arizona – eating from the Chipotle in, uh, in Goodyear or, uh, you know, driving past Mandy's favorite, the, uh, the Panda Express. Uh, what, uh, what do we expect from Tristan McKenzie if, uh, if he's able to stay healthy this year? Yeah, I think uh, probably, you know, now he's one guy that I think they watch, you know, they're, they're going to watch him more than they watch Bieber and, and Savali and Plesak, you know, uh, they would watch his, his, uh, his workload. To me, I think just, you know, because he only threw, I don't know what, 30, 40 innings last year. Mm-hmm. He, he missed the, the one and a half, two years before that with injuries. So that's a guy you've got to monitor. I, I like the fact uh, we talked to uh, Tristan, you know, he's six, what is he? Six, five, about 170 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wonder where he generates all that velocity. And he said, you know, it's all about levers and, and, you know, he's so long and lean. And he said he's basically had the same uh, same delivery since he was nine years old. At least that's what his his dad his said. That's what his dad told him. So and and that's that's the craziest thing for me to hear, especially because I've got a twelve year old who pitches, and he's had five different deliveries since he was nine years old. That, of course, he's not six foot five, 
but to be able to be that consistent from that young of an age to understand your body and how it moves, even if you're a, a gangly, long, you know, long arm, long leg kid like that, uh, that that's pretty special. Yeah. And, and, you know, they all, you always have to, you know, I don't know. I'd like, I just like to, I'd like to sit down and talk to him about where he gets that power from, what, what has to move the, you know, that kinetic energy, I guess, you know, Ruben Niebla is, a, is an expert at that. So maybe we'll have to talk to him. Well, yeah, maybe in, in about two years when we're able to be in the uh, clubhouse and, and talk, actually talk to guys one-on-one, maybe you'll get your chance to do that. Um, anyways, uh, two more guys that we talked about, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, we talked to Logan Allen and we talked to Brian Shaw. Uh, Logan Allen, uh, one of the Indians who came to camp uh, significantly lighter, uh, along with Terry Francona losing some weight in the in the offseason. Uh, Logan Allen looked like he, he really put in the time to put in the work on his body. And, and Tito said that that's going to pay off for these guys in the long run because they're going to be able to do things, uh, you know, for longer than they, they normally would when they're when they're advanced in their career. Yeah, you know, Logan Allen, left-hander, uh, came over from San Diego, like you said, lost 35 pounds since uh, summer camp from last year uh, to right now. He's down to 205, so that's a that's a big, big loss, and usually when you do that, you don't like to see pitchers lose that much weight because, you know, a lot of times that's where their power comes from, but I guess his velocity is good, his mechanics are good, and he had that, you know, you could tell he was excited about getting a chance here and who knows, Joe, he could sneak into that fourth or fifth spot in the rotation. He, he could help them. Yeah. I think the Indians uh, aren't so much afraid of backing, backing off of uh, Tristan McKenzie a little bit if they have to, because they, I think they know that Logan Allen is, is ready to go and ready to get that major league learning experience uh, on the mound in big league games. That's really the next step for him because really what does he have to prove at AAA right now? Yeah, I, I agree completely. He, he might have to, <laughs> they, of course, they have to have a triple A season to begin with, but I think right. it looks like they're headed that, into that direction. So maybe he goes down and maybe makes five starts. And then, you know, if they have to make a move or, you know, he's right there, he's a phone call away. Yeah, finally, they they had to show Ryan Shaw exactly where to go because I don't think he uh, he knows, uh, knows much about that facility uh, down there. Uh, uh, finding his way, he was lost on the first day, right? Oh, gee, yeah, that was that was funny. I mean, he looks uh, he looks like he reinvented himself, or at least that's what he's talking about. You know, in uh, the uh, the alternate camp with the Mariners last year, you know, the guy's thirty two. He gets sent down there, but instead of uh, you know the end of the career, you know, he, he kind of re, re, redoes some, you know, re, you know, re, reinvents himself. You know, new pitches. It's just not slider. Cutter anymore. Sounds like he's added a couple more pitches. Says his velo's ticked up, and uh, he says he's not going to stink this spring training. He's going to have a better <laughs> spring. So we'll, we'll have to see if that's true or not. Uh, you think about a guy who's 32 years old, but you think about Brian Shaw, how how much experience he has. 32 isn't really all that old, and it, to to have as much mileage as Brian Shaw does have, uh, it's it, it will be impressive if they can get him through this season uh you know the whole season in in typical brian shaw fashion i think that would that would be amazing and unexpected uh certainly sitting here in in february 
Definitely. And it, it wasn't like he rusted out, you know, the last couple of years, you know, I mean, in, in uh, Colorado, he struggled, but he still made over 130 appearances. You know, they ran him out there to, uh, so, you know, it's, so the arm is still there. It, it just, you know, is the stuff there is, is, you know, yeah. how much did the altitude affect him at, at Coors Field? The, the cutter don't cut when it's, uh, you know, 1400 feet above sea level it, or 14,000, 14,000, 14,000 feet. I, I don't know. It, it's way up. Mile there. high. Mile <laughs> high. There you go. Uh, I, I've been to the top of Pike's Peak and it was, it was tough to breathe. Let me tell you, it was, it was no fun. Played catch up there and didn't drop the ball. That was, oh, yeah? All right. that was impressive. All right, Hoinsey, uh, day one of full squad workouts uh, set to begin here. Uh, in, 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 actually, they're, they're probably already out there on the field as we're recording this, but uh, that's, we're, we're back. We're ready. We're, we're heading towards uh, a week from today when games get ready. I right, get, get going. Yeah. Live BP is always an exciting kind of a, you're, you're moving the change when, when, uh, when live BP starts, Joe, and you know what, they've got a, uh, inter squad game Saturday against the Reds and then, uh, Sunday, uh, the cactus league starts. So we're getting closer. All right, sir. We will be back uh, again tomorrow with another update here on the Cleveland baseball talk podcast.